Hey guys, welcome to Storehouse Media. We're so excited to have you joining us this week. Our heartbeat is biblical doctrine, so we are here as a resource to provide the gospel and biblical teaching and how those two things are inseparable. Join us every week as we tackle different topics regarding faith, life, and truth, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Storehouse Media, me and Gama on the mics. Israel left the tech tables uh, and moved to San Antonio. He is no longer with us, Man, guys. He's now with the San Antonians. Yeah. So uh, we are running this thing on some audio for a while, um, and we may visit video again later on down the road. But right now, this is where we are, uh, and we're pretty pumped. Um, we are technically starting what we call season two today, right? Yeah, technically. So, yeah, we're 16 episodes in, so this will be episode 17 or yeah. episode one of season two. Man, we're pumped. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, so we decided, we thought through this, and we, we figured it'd be a good idea at this point to kind of move into something with more of a flow. Yeah. Uh, other than just kind of random topics here and there as we go through it. And so... As we thought about it and wrestled through it, we kind of came up with an overall theme of something we want to follow for a for a while, um, and we're really going to look at at the value of life, mm-hmm. right? And and that being from essentially Genesis chapters one through three, yeah. And we're not going to exposit it, you know, verse by verse, but we're going to use different parts of it, and hopefully start the goal started a very foundational point yeah uh to to lay the the groundwork for the value of life and then be building on that in all the different facets of life yeah and daniel's mentioned it before and i I think like two or three times on our podcast saying you tell me a sin and i could bring it back to genesis 3 yeah but honestly our goal with this season and with these next you know how however many episodes god wants for us for this is to essentially bring back every aspect of life today back to Genesis 1 through 3 and how our foundation can be found there and God's purpose through us can be found there. Um, Solomon said it many times that there is nothing new under the sun. So even the modern problems and sin we're going Mm. through really roots back since the very beginning, Uh, whether that be sin or that be purpose or value, like the value of life. It all goes back to the beginning. Nothing is necessarily new. Nothing's new under the sun. Everything we're seeking after is the same thing people have been seeking after since the dawn of man. Yep. And so all the questions, all the problems and the questions can be answered in these first three chapters. Yeah. Uh, So without further ado, today we will jump in. Uh, and what we're going to look at today is essentially the reality that there is a God. Yeah. Right? There's a God that created. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and so for some of us, we may go, wow, you know, but I think that's actually a, a really important factor that we have to keep in mind Yeah. if there's a God that created. And the reason I say that, uh, James chapter 4, verse 14 James says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Yeah. Right? So if you think about, like, what is your life? Yeah. Well, you're a mist, right? You're here and then you're gone. You're like the dew or the fog in the morning. As soon as the sun comes up, you're gone and your effect uh, is very small, right? Like you wet the grass a little bit and then you're you're done. You do nothing really. Yeah. And so I've always heard this, this like, um, what's it called? I guess this analogy, not yeah. really analogies, imagery, that if you go up to a headstone in a cemetery, you've got birthday, death day, and a dash in between. Yeah. What are you doing with that dash? Mm. Um, and so that's kind of the question we want to ask is, right, like what we should make, if we, if we have this life and it's but a vapor, it's this tiny little fragment of time within the, the span of the universe or yeah. the span of history, how do we make it count? Yeah. Right? Um, and so I think in our culture especially, we have this motto, this like mystery of life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with that, we're, we're because life seems to be such a mystery, we're in this place of, of constantly trying to make our own meaning to it, our own value to life. Uh, and I would argue that's really... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote from a, some, a Supreme Court hearing and the quote comes from a guy named Anthony Kennedy. And this is what he says, right? And so he's he's talking about liberty or freedom. Yeah. And this is what he says. And I, I want to read this because 
in reality, this quote, I would argue, is the lens or the worldview of our culture. Yeah. Right? And so this is what Anthony Kennedy says. He says, at the heart of liberty or the heart of freedom is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Mm. And so his argument ultimately is this. Because you're a person yeah, and because you have freedom, with that freedom, you have the right to define the meaning of everything, including your own life and your own existence. Wow. Now, that would be true if there were no intelligent creator yeah. that created. That would be a very true thing. Yeah. Uh, but if there is an intelligent creator that created, then we do not have the right yeah. to define our own purpose, our own meaning, and the meaning of the universe or anything yeah. else. You could say we have the ability, and we do. That's what free will is, is yeah. the ability, but it doesn't give us the right. Mm. And so as we look at this, we want to we wanna see that like, if there is a God and he created, then he had an intention behind his creation, and yeah. his purpose is superior to our interpretation of it, mm. right? Yeah. And so that's the thing we need to keep in mind. Why, why are we looking at there is a God? Because we're looking at the value of life. Yeah. Right. And if we're going to look at the value of life, we need to see what the intention yeah. behind life is in the first place. And so that's kind of where we are. And I just want to say this. Uh, I know that coming from this standpoint, from a from a uh, more of a non-biblical background or maybe some people who were like, I don't like religion. I'm just spiritual. You think that looking at these things would be oppressive. Mm. Right. Like. To, to, to say that God created with an intention, that puts restraint on our life. Mm. And if it puts restraint on our life, then it takes away from our freedom. Yeah. But if I could give a quick analogy really quickly. Um, yeah. I like bass fishing. I'm a big fan of it. Mm. Uh, imagine, Gamma, that you're one of those people that's like, no, you know, having restraints is, is oppressive. You know, yeah. it's not free. We need to free people. So... If you and I go fishing one day mm -hmm. and I catch a bass and let's say it's a big one and yeah. I pull it out and I'm, I, you know, I, I'm holding it up and I take a picture with it yeah. and then I'm like, you know what, Gamma, this is stupid, man. This bass needs to be free, right? Uh -huh. Leaving it in the water, like making it live in the water. That's not free. Mm. So let's say I just throw it on the bank. What's going to happen to that bass? It's going to die. It's going to die. Yeah. Because what we think is liberating for the bass is actually killing it. Yeah. So in order for the bass to have true freedom, it needs the proper restraints in place. Yes. And so if we want to look at the value of life, the meaning of life, and how to live life well, yeah. then we need to have the proper restraints in place. And that begins with the God who created. Yeah. Right? Because, uh, I, you know, an analogy, another analogy I always like to use, um, I have an old 99 Wrangler, mm. and I love that Jeep. Uh, it's way faster than Junior's car. <laughs> and uh, I always tell people, I'm like, what would happen if I drove my Jeep? Like, no snorkel, it's all stock. What would happen if I drove my Jeep into a pond that was 30 feet deep? I would destroy it. Yeah. Why? Not the proper restraints. Right. The yeah. Jeep's not made to drive underwater. Yeah. And there's, a, there's an instruction manual in there that would probably tell me that. Yeah. And in God being a creator and giving us, writing us yeah. a book inspired by himself... We have that. We have the right restraints and the proper freedoms that God's given to us. And so we need to identify those things. Yeah. Um, and I would say that he's even given us the the natural flow of being within our restraints. That yeah. whenever we aren't in those restraints, things just are forced. They're yeah. very forced. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, human beings, and I'm not pointing at anybody in particular, mm -hmm. but really like a lot of people of this world going against the natural tendencies, go against the natural flow of things because they're going against the natural restraints that God has sure. given us, you yeah. know, and destroying themselves in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. like throwing themselves into the bank, mm -hmm. like into the shore and yeah. like, you know what? I don't want to be bound by water. Yeah. But that yeah. water was given the fish life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Absolutely. So with that, today, really what we're going to tackle is before even getting into, you know, what are those, what are those purposes? What are those restraints? We really just want to look at the fact that God does exist, that he did create, and that that should imply something to us. Like that should have an effect and an application to us. 
And so where I wanted to begin in order to look at this is the meaning of God being God in the first place, right? Like, what does it mean for God to be God? Uh, and in order to, to explain that, the only passage I could really think of that I thought was beautiful was Exodus chapter 3, right? So if you don't know the context, Exodus 3, Israel has been enslaved. The nation of Israel has been enslaved, or the people of Israel, the Hebrews, have been enslaved under Egypt's uh, tyranny for 400 years at this point. God had promised a redeemer would come and rescue him out of slavery. And so now God is calling Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to go and, and lead the people of Israel, lead the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, uh, and throughout the process in chapter three, Moses is no hero, right? He's a coward. He, yeah. he, he tries to bow out five times before God's finally like, listen, kid, even after some miracles. Yeah. And so, uh, but in, it's interesting because in chapter three, verses 13 and 14, this is what it says. It says, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you, has sent me to you. Mm. Now that's interesting. Uh, the wording, and there's a lot of speculation on what he means by I am. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I am everything right yeah. from a Panentheist standpoint. People are like, well, that means that God is everything. Yeah. It doesn't mean that God yeah, is God's everything. not universe. No. Uh, God is God. And that's kind of what he's saying. He's saying, I am who I am, not who they want me to be. Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. that doesn't change. He's immutable. The way I read that is like God saying, uh, you don't, nobody puts a definition on yeah. me. I tell you who I am, yes. not the other way around. Yes. And that is exactly where I wanted to go with this mm. because I had heard, uh, I think it was Paul Washer. It was either Paul Washer or RC Sproul talk about this passage. And as they were talking about it, they were explaining, uh, it was it was actually Paul Washer. So he gave this this imagery like this. So like let's say uh, um, it's you, me, and you know Israel's not here. So let's say it was Israel. Yeah. Uh, let's say you and me are friends and we've met and hung out, but I've never met Israel in my life, mm. right? And then I'm on the phone with Israel, and he's like, "So tell me about yourself. Like, yeah. what do you look like? Who are you?" Yeah. I'd say, "Well, you know, like Gama, I'm a human. Yeah. Um, he's Hispanic. I'm I'm white. He has hair on top of his head. I don't." Uh, he, I'm a little older than he is, you yeah. know, we could talk about stature, yeah. high, you know, different stuff like that. But in the end, I've got comparing points to go, well, mm. imagine these parts of Gamma. I'm kind of like that in this way, but a little bit taller, a little bit this, a little wow. bit that. God's saying, well, there's nobody you can compare <laughs> me to, like right? That. Yeah. He's saying, listen, it, there is no who yeah. sent me. Just know that I, I am who I am. And I'm the one sending you. Yeah. And, right? that, and that reminds me of the uh, point I brought up a couple of podcasts ago about something that I learned in one of my inter, inter, interpersonal relations uh, class in college mm -hmm. that our identity and our attributes only exist because of others. Yeah. So like, for example, if I say, hey, guys, like, you know, you need to meet my friend Daniel. And you're like, well, how's Daniel? I'm like, well, Daniel's funny. He's a good looking guy. He's he's pretty muscular. Those three define mm -hmm. I mean, define yeah. who you are. Yeah. But you wouldn't have those identifications if I weren't comparing you to someone else. Correct. I see you as funny because I see you as relatively funny, funnier in than in to comparison people. to other people, yeah. relatively muscular than other people and yeah. relatively good looking than other people. Yeah. But I like the point that you're bringing up about God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so with him, you can't compare him. He can't There's, say anything yeah. other than. I, I am. Yeah. Because yeah. again, you know, going back to the throne room, he's holy, holy or holiest. Right? Yeah. There is no there's no running buddy. And that's yeah. Isaiah forty eight eight or forty Isaiah forty eighteen. He says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare him? Yeah. Right? There's there's no one you can bring up. And we, and, and this is something we've talked about. There is no leveling up with him, right? Yeah. God isn't even on a level. And so mm. you can't go, well, in comparison to God, I'm down here. No, there is no comparison. Yeah. He's so, and it reminds me, and you know, some people thought this, this was blasphemous and I understand, but I think I know the point that was being made and I'm still, there's trepidation, I promise. Yeah. But in Age of Ultron, mm. when, uh, what was his name? He becomes like the thing and he's like flying around. Yeah. Uh, what's that dude's name? Uh, uh, Vision. Is it vision? Maybe uh, it is vision. But they, they asked him, they're like, who are you? Are you, are you, 
the voice. What is? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. His vision. And they're they're asking him. They're like, "Well, who are you? Are you this? Yeah. Are you that?" And he's like, "I am." Yeah. Like he, I just am. Yeah. You know? And like I get what he meant by that because I get this passage mm. right. And so I, he's not God. He's nothing like him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even. But it just. I remember seeing that in this passage made more sense to me. Gotcha. You know, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. And even in the name, uh, which I'm, I don't, I mean, I don't know what it is, bro. I don't like saying it. Um, his, his biblical name as God revealed himself. Uh, some people feel comfortable with it. That's fine. I just don't. Uh, but it literally, it, it, it means the existing one, mm. right there because yeah. well, how else do you, you can't call him anything else. Yeah. You, know, you can't even say the really big one. He's infinitely big. You know, yeah. like what, what do you do with that? Yeah. He's the existing one that the one that has existed. And even as he reveals himself yeah. uh, in Exodus three, the one thing I didn't read, he revealed himself in a burning bush. Uh, and it, Exodus three says that the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And yeah. because it wasn't being consumed, Moses goes, the heck man i gotta check this out yeah right he's a burning flame that doesn't even need the substance of the bush to stay aflame yeah he is existing in and of himself yeah and so he's so utterly different but on top of that the greatness of him yeah right uh isaiah chapter 40 verses 12 and 15 who speaking of god who is who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and and that, when we're talking the, the oceans yeah. Right. The oceans that you go out on a cruise ship. I was actually just talking to uh, somebody. Uh, oh, Philip Wynnum, a friend mm. of mine up in College Station. Uh, we were talking about Hawaii. And he's yeah. like, if you live on Hawaii too long by the coast, you'll actually start to get island fever because you realize that you're really on this tiny speck of land out in the middle of this giant ocean. Mm. Right. And right here in Isaiah 40, it says that he holds it in the in the hollow of his hand in the very palm of it. Wow. Right. And, and marked off the heavens with a span. You know what that means? It means he's measured the universe in the span of his hand from thumb to middle finger. The universe fits in there. And from what I understand about the universe, if I could give a, a quick little rundown here. Um, if you traveled at the speed of light, so 186,000 miles per second, right? Yeah. From where we are to the end of the known universe. Mm. And there's more beyond that. There's more, yeah. It would take 28 billion years wow. at the speed of light to travel that. 28 billion. We can't even no, comprehend that. That's incomprehensible for yeah. us. And it says that that fits in the span of God's hand. More than that because from our location to the end of the known universe, yeah. try imagining from one end from one end yes. to the other. Yes. 28 billion years and he holds the entire universe that we don't even fully know we can't comprehend no absolutely not. no he holds it in the in the span of his hand wow and then he says he enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance behold the nations nations the whole world are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. This is not, I don't know what vision or view you've had of God, but you, you need to erase it completely and just try to gain little fragments Yeah. because you're never going to have it in completeness. Yeah. He's so great. Yeah, and this reminds me of like the five chapters that God went on and on telling Job about. Have you done this? Oh. Have you done that? Dude, when I was reading those chat and when I read them again and again and again, I'm left like Job in the yeah. back of my seat with my jaw almost to yeah. the ground saying, God, who could compare to yes. you? Who yes. could compare? You know what's interesting about that? The the reason that God had come down and confronted Job because Job was starting to question God's justice, right? Yeah, he's like, dude, what are you like? I haven't done anything to deserve this. Yeah. You're you're being a a kid with a magnifying glass on an ant farm. Like yeah. this isn't fair. So God shows up on the scene. Job has a lot of questions. Yeah, and what's funny is in those few chapters, God never answers why. Mm. But you know what Job says? What? Now I've seen you and I don't need to know. He said that like the first time yeah. and God still yeah. went on. God said, now put your big boy yeah. pants on. We're talking. He said, be a man yep. and answer my yep. question. It cracks me up every time I read yeah. it, man. Yeah, man. Job questioned God and God came down and all he did was show him his greatness. And yeah. Job said, 
I no longer need an answer because you revealing yeah. yourself has sufficed. There's something bigger than me out there. And Job had no right to question God in the first no. place, but no. he had more right than any of us oh, could yeah. because he was one of almost considered righteous on yeah. all of the earth. Yeah. And even he was not even had no authority, had yeah. no right to question what no, God. Even does. though even though he was a far more law-abiding citizen and far more morally upright before God than us, yep. he still had no right Nowhere to question near. the most high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that just keeping all those things in mind, man, he is magnificently grand. And the bigger we get a picture of how big he is and how amazing and great and vast and powerful, the more the, the trials and tribulations and confusing things of this life begin to wane and weaken. Yeah. Right. The more we see him as gigantic. Yeah. But also the more we see him as gigantic, the less we feel we have the right to determine what life is and what it isn't, mm, right? Yeah. And so we have to begin with the bigness of God. Yeah. And then we take another step forward. What is this gigantic greatness of God? What is his purpose in creating anything at all? Because as we've discussed in the Trinity episode, he doesn't need anything outside yeah. of himself, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That we don't offer anything. We add nothing to We're him. like parasites. Yeah, we really are. All yeah. we are is benefactors of yeah. who he is. Uh, but here's here's a few things we know about why God created. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Yeah. Right? And so uh, the, the things that God created, he created for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify yeah. to glorify him. Right? Uh, Colossians 1, chapters, uh, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. For in him, being Christ... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Wow. Right? Yeah. So whether spiritual or non-spiritual, whether demonic or, and, or holy angelic, whether human or dog or cat or dust mite or... Yeah or farthest planet to the farthest reaches, anything that exists, exists for him, and it's being sustained currently by him. Exactly. Right? He's yeah. holding it together. Yeah. And for the people that have the question, like, okay, well, if God doesn't need us, why would he create, right? And th these are great answers. Sure. Um, but, and not a but, but these are these are suffice answers. Yeah. We could we could move on with this. But another perspective is kind of like, like let's, let's say, Dan, you're a musician. Let's say you are a musician. Right. Right. What are the odds that you're going to create a song? If I'm a musician, pretty... Pretty high. Yeah. Well, let's say you're an artist and you're good at painting. What are the odds that you're going to paint something? Pretty high. Pretty high, right? Yeah. Uh, like, in, in any aspect, like, let's say you're you're good with cars. What are the odds you're going to grab a motor, you're going to create something out of it? Very high. Very high. Yeah. God being the creator of creators, the God being the, 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 the highest, most intelligent designer, he's going to create because he can create. Sure. Not necessarily yeah. because, I mean, I don't need to create a song to exist. Mm -hmm. It's created because that's that's who I am. Yeah. God creates because that's just who he is, not because he needs to be sustained by what he creates. Yeah. What he creates is sustained by him. Absolutely. Yeah. And then on top of that, you think if you took a, a, a married couple, right? A married couple that's in love. Yeah. Like you think about, right, especially right now, like uh, Mateo and Chelsea, right? Yeah. Like newlyweds, bro. They're, they're passionate about each other, you yeah. know? Why, why would Mateo do anything so loving for his wife? It's not so he can gain anything out of it. It's because he's compelled by love. Yeah. It's the same thing for God. Why do like, he didn't create because he's like, oh my gosh, I need people to talk good about me. Mm. Right. In the same way that Mateo is not serving so that Chelsea will praise him. Mm. He's doing it because he loves her. Yeah. Right. And so even in this, in this aspect, when God created, he created because he can. Yeah. And he created to, to, to display his glory, to show his masterpiece. Mm. And at the same time, he created little us's so that we can go, oh, so we can celebrate that. Yeah. So we can enjoy what he's created. And share in that. Absolutely. The same way a wife should be enjoying her husband's protection, provision, and, and love and cherishing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Man. So then Hebrews 1.3, speaking of Christ again. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So that goes right back to it. Anything that exists is existing because he has it existing. Yeah. Uh, Revelation 4.11. 
Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So once again, now it goes a step farther. First, it was by his will that he created them. Yeah. But it goes a little farther because it's also by his will that they are currently existing. Mm. Which means for us sitting right here, yeah. the breath going in our lungs, our heart beating, our brain functioning, that's happening for his glory. Yeah. He has a purpose behind that. And even, right, and this is where a, a, a million dollar question comes in. Well, what about all the people that reject him and despise him and hate him and look to overturn him? Mm-hmm. Proverbs sixteen four: the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Mm. In other words, you may try and rebel and you may try and overturn his plan. And in the end, you're not going to hurt him any. You're only going to destroy yourself. Yeah, you're going to destroy right? yourself and continue God's will. Yeah, yeah. His will will come to pass and yeah. he will be praised. Yeah. And so... Then the question comes in, right? Because that's true that we we have to consider that there are going to be in the end many mm-hmm. that run straight into destruction. Yeah. Right? That's Matthew chapter seven, I think. The 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 gate is the 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 path is wide and the gate is broad. Yeah. That leads into destruction and many, yeah, many will find it. Uh and so where do we fit in in this whole idea? Okay, so God is creator, he's magnificently great, infinitely great. And he created everything for his own purposes. Mm. Uh, so what's our role? Well, in Mark chapter 12, and I'm going to paraphrase this. Mark chapter 12, some of the scribes and Pharisees want, you know, they've been trying to trick Jesus into, into you know, anything they could trick him into to yeah. get him in trouble, get him killed, get him mm-hmm. imprisoned. Um, and one of their lawyers had come up, super tricky guy, super genius, uh, and basically poses the question, Teacher, is it right that Israel pay taxes to pagan Rome? Mm. Right? Million dollar question. God's holy race, God's chosen people (laughs) under the oppression of Rome, why should we, God's holy people, pay to these pagan governments? Right? So Jesus says, okay, well, I know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, Toss me a coin that you would pay tax with. Yeah. So he flips in the coin. He holds it up. He says, who's inscription yeah he says well caesar's okay well then give to caesar what is caesar's and give to god what is god's and it says from that point the whole crowd just shuts down in awe of his wisdom why well what makes the coin belong to caesar caesar's inscription Mm. what makes you belong to god god's inscription because genesis 126 says you're created in his image and likeness yeah you're stamped with him wow right and so jesus says listen give to caesar what is caesar's that's his business but give to god what is god's yeah and that's your life. Absolutely. Yeah. That's your whole being. Yeah. And so it goes a step farther, right? So you could say that to a non-believer. Yeah. You could say that to a non-believer. Listen, you've been creating the image and likeness of God, which means you belong to him. Yeah. That's non-optional. You belong to him. And mm-hmm. so you give yourself to him or you're held accountable in the end for what you've done. Mm-hmm. Right? But then to the believer, it even goes a step farther. Yeah. Because to the believer, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 or do you not know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit? I'm sorry, a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, mm. for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Yeah, and it even goes. I was going to mention that too, but just in Ephesians one, it mm. goes even further for the believer that we've been. I mean, we're already inscripted, right? Yeah. We're, we're made in His image and in His likeness. Yeah. But even further, a believer is sealed yes. with the Holy Spirit. And at the end of verse um, thirteen of Ephesians one, it says, "And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. So now everybody who's a believer, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own." So not only is your very existence the inscription of God, but now you as a believer, not only are you an image bearer, but you are a a Christ ambassador. You now even more belong to Christ and to his submission and to his restraints. I'm putting quotation marks in the air. Yeah. And that's so incredibly important because you will also as a believer be held accountable to that proclamation. Yeah. And for those of you who put yourselves, uh, voluntarily in a place of position or a place of leadership, you will be held to an even higher standard. Yeah. Right. And so make sure that calling is legit and you're not just going, ah, I think I got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's God's, God's purposes 
are evident through scripture. Yeah. And so again, our point today isn't to go into what those purposes are, but our point today is to, to say that from a biblical standpoint, there is a God and that he created, and therefore that should change things about us. Now, might we hit some apologetic stuff on another episode as to how do we really know God created? That's stuff we could talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. But today's episode is not for that purpose. Mm. Uh, and so with that being mentioned, we have to then beg a question. Why do we need to do yeah. apologetics in order to even argue that? And that's because we actually, by nature, uh, we have a hostility yeah. against God's rule. And there's actually a quote that I'm going to try and find really quick on my phone as we're yeah. talking. Um, but we do. There's there's a there's a hostility in our nature that doesn't want God to be in charge, yeah. right? And it finds its root in Genesis three five. Yeah. Uh, there's if you remember the the story from um, Genesis two, you know God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. Uh, gives them basically unlimited joy and unlimited resources and unlimited Life. sex and unlimited everything yeah. and says, there's just one thing you can't do. Don't eat from this one tree because when you do, you're going to die. Yeah. Right. Uh, and as our speaker for refuge, Andy Vanderveer, so beautifully pointed out, <laughs> God says, surely die, which means die, die. Mm. Right. And so it's not, it's not necessarily that you're going to immediately physically die though. That will happen eventually, yeah. but you also have a spiritual death. Yeah. It's a double death. It's a, it's a terrible death. Yeah. Genesis three, the serpent comes along and when he first tempts Eve, you know, she tries to rebuttal it and she's like, no, God said, if we eat from it, we're going to die. So we mm -hmm. can't eat. And the serpent responds, you will not surely die. You're not going to die. Right. Die. Right. You're not going to die. Die. That's an exaggeration <laughs> for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Mm. Now, two things on that one, three things. One, he wasn't completely wrong. Yeah. Our eyes would be open mm -hmm. and he wasn't completely wrong. We would to some degree be like God. Yeah. Because we would build up our own animosity. Yeah. Seek our own throne, our own morals. Exactly. And that's where the third point comes in. Knowing good and evil essentially means this. You'll have the right to choose for yourself mm. what's right or wrong. You don't need him to tell you. Yeah. And so Satan promises deity. He promises our own rule, our own authority. Yeah. Uh, and that is the exact thing that we see still happening today. Yeah. I don't listen, any denomination you go into, any church you go into, any religion you go into, a few things I can tell you. Number one, if they're telling you that you can be godlike or that you can be your own God, that is the same deception that Satan used. Oh yeah. Right? So you New need to age get out of that. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get out of that. Yeah. But secondly, uh, anywhere where people are calling you to follow your own heart or to decide for yourself, like, listen, you do not have infinite wisdom. You mm -hmm. do not know the world's workings. You do not know the motives of people's heart. We need God's word to be a lamp to our feet oh, yeah. and a light to our path. Yep. We cannot decide for ourselves what right or wrong is. We yeah. can't. We are, we are a distorted creature. Our hearts have been bent. And ever since this fall right here, yeah. the, the greatest dilemma to humanity, to you and I, to every mistake you and I have ever made, to every tyrannical ruler that has conquered nations and committed genocide. Yeah. In all of it, what it has been is somebody coming along and going, you know what I think would be a better idea? Mm. And that's what we do. Yeah. That's what every one of us does. Uh, I, I'm not going to look up the quote from Thomas Nagel, but essentially, and you could Google it, it goes something like this. Uh, Thomas Nagel explains that he was, so Thomas Nagel was an atheist and he wrote it, I don't know if it was a book or like a memoir, but it was his last words. Okay. Uh, and in it, he's explaining, uh, and I love this. I really love what he says. He says, I'm not an atheist because science proves atheism. Mm. Uh, I'm not an atheist because he said, in fact, I'm, I'm actually more troubled that some of the smartest, most scientific men I know are theists, that they're believers mm. of God. He said, that bothers me. And he says, because the reality for me is I don't want there to be a God. Yeah. I don't want the universe to be that way. I don't want there to be a standard of accountability. I don't want any of Nagel wanted to be able to decide whatever he wanted without there being consequences. Mm. That's what he wanted. Yeah, that's what he wanted. Yeah. And he said, and you could find the quote, like I said, it's he, he, like he says that. Yeah. And what's interesting is that's actually how the Bible defines a fool. 
Yeah. Someone who wants to make their own reality but not deal with the consequences from their choices. Yep. And so we have this natural inclination within ourselves desiring to rule over God, right? And and like so for you Gamma, you know, you and I come from very different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh for me I went far off the deep end, you know. Mm-hmm. You grew up far more moral than I did. Uh, but the reality is for, for those, and I'm saying this because for some of our listeners, some of you have been very moral people your whole life, right? You never were that bad air quotes. Uh, but the reality of it is this, even if you consented to 999 out of a hundred of what, or, uh, to a thousand of what God said was right. Yeah. You're still holding one thing back and saying, God, you cannot touch this. Yep. Right. I'll serve you in these 999 things, but you cannot touch this one thing because this is the one thing I have to have. Yeah. Right. And so that's where we find ourselves trying to, to wiggle out of God's overall authority. Yeah. And in it, we're not even serving God. We're serving that thing. Yeah. I'll serve you in all these areas. As long as you give me that. Yeah. Right? The textbook idolatry. Yeah. You're not even serving yourself. You're serving the thing. Yeah. 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 And so, biblically, God declares what our meaning is. And we want to change that. Yeah. And that brings us right back to that quote at the beginning, right? That uh, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. And you know where I would bring that right back to? Surely you're not going to die. God just knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, and you can choose for yourself what right or wrong is. Yeah, it was basically saying do whatever you want. All you're going to do is be like God, doing whatever he wants, so you can do what you want. Yeah, make up your own meaning. Yeah. Make up your own purpose. Make up any of it. Yeah. Uh, And the problem is in the end, we do not get that say, Mm-mm. right? You might, your whole life, you might use your freedom to do whatever you want, but in the end, you'll face accountability. Yeah. You will. Um, Daniel 4.35, this is like one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, and it's not because my name is on it. <laughs> uh, Daniel 4.35, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he, being God, does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? In other words, what's your level of authority? Yeah. None. Nothing. None. Even in your free will choices to disobey God, he is still, he is still intending it to bring about his purposes. Yeah. And so Hebrews 4.13 says this, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. Wow. So it is so vital that we land at this spot that we have a creator. Yeah. That that creator has a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in the end, if we don't recognize that, if we don't submit to that, mm-hmm. we face judgment for that. Yeah. For taking what God has given us for his glory yeah. and using it for our own. Yeah. What he's given for his own thanks and using it for our own gratification, yeah. for our own abuse, for our own lusts. So that has to bring us to Christ, mm-hmm. right? Because we, you can't leave a, you can't preach a message like this and not have the gospel. Yeah. You know? Um, and so we, we, you know, we are the way that we are. We yeah. have this condition because of what Adam has done in the yeah. beginning. And so Paul writes in a, I'm going to read Romans chapter five, verses 12 and 17. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned because of, and then verse 17, because of one man's trespass being Adam, uh, death reigned through that one man. Yeah. How much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Wow. Right? So Adam... Uh, what we call imputation, yeah. Adam imputed to us sin. He imputed to us a rebellious nature, a nature that misses the mark of what God had intended for us, right? Because yeah. that's essentially what sin is. It's, it's, there's a target, we threw a javelin, we missed the target. Uh, we missed the mark of what God had intended 
uh, for humanity to be in the beginning. Yeah. And so sin has degraded us down and Adam brought us there. Yeah. And so Adam imputed to us sin, but on the cross, our sin was imputed to Jesus Christ. He was punished and crushed for it, and he took it to the grave. Yeah. And then, because our sin was imputed to Christ, Christ imputed to us his perfect righteousness. Yeah. So our our negative bank account was transferred to Jesus, and his positive tra- bank account was transferred yeah. to us. And so now uh, we have been redeemed out of Adam mm-hmm. and brought into Christ, right? And yeah. so we now have... Not just a neutral standing with God, yeah, but a, a perfect standing, a yeah. righteous standing. Yep, yeah, I agree. And then um, the reason why that imputation needs to take place is because, I mean, we're not our own; we're a representation of something or someone. Sure. Uh, when we're in our sin, we're just an, a representation of why Adam did what he did. We're sinners, and we fall short of His glory. And uh, and if you want to know what that passage means, I, I recently found out what it means: fall short of God's glory. Uh, yes, it does talk about God's glory and God's holy nature, but also the glory that he intended for us in yeah. Genesis chapter 1 and yeah. 2. Uh, and 1 Corinthians 15 really does a good job from like verses 35 and up, does a good job at talking about the glory of humanity and the glory of, of Jesus. And it says that um, our we were given certain glories, but we're stained and we're marred by sin. Absolutely. Um, but Jesus comes and he takes our place. And it says that... Um, that through Adam, we were like him, but now that he was the earthly man, right? But then it says that we are, that Jesus being the heavenly man has mm. come and taken our place. And, Let's go. and through him, we have resurrection. We have life. We get to say, okay, no, I didn't, I didn't make it on the scale. I didn't make it on that measure of the glory that God had intended for us, but Jesus did it for me. Jesus did it for me. Therefore, I do now get to uh, enjoy the promises, enjoy the rewards of eternal life, even though we never deserved it in the first place. That's it. Yep. That's it. So with that glorious news, what we call the good news, right? (laughs) That gospel, that evangelion, uh, we need to then recognize, so how does that fit in with this whole point, right? How does that fit in with this whole thing? Very simply. We in Christ also, like the, the God, Christ didn't just save us from the punishment of our sin. He also saved us from the power of it. Yeah. And so we have a renewed nature in Christ. And so if we're, if we're in Christ, we've been given a new mind. So that mind of Adam is no longer in us that wants to rebel against God's cause, against God's intended purpose, but we now have a mind that wants to obey him. Yeah. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, verses 20 through 24, he says, but that speaking of the non-believers, but that is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, that Adam, that Adam nature, yeah. which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, which is Christ in us, yeah. created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm. Right? And so we have a God. He created everything for his purpose. We shattered that and he redeemed it mm-hmm. he redeemed it and yeah. so for for the human right for people uh we do there is value in every single human being whether uh conceived in the womb immediately or at at 900 or not 900 but 108 years old yeah. on their deathbed mm-hmm. every single person believer non-believer no matter the color no matter the age no matter anything yeah. has a has a has value has dignity because we are the imago day yeah. we're the image bearers of the one who created us yeah. but then on top of that in the new birth our purpose in that value has yeah. been restored and so we 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 need to know that, right? We have to start there. We have to start with there is a God that created. Yeah. And that is that, there's a problem with that for us yeah. because we don't want that God to rule over us. Yeah. But praise God that he's a God of redemption of, and a, a God who's propitious, who would send his son to die on our behalf. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And so he restores in us yeah. that intended purpose yeah. that we could live it out and that we could grow in it. Yeah. 
And um, it comes down to knowing we're going to die. Mm-hmm. Knowing we're going to die. And so um, from the moment you're born, you're born into sin. That's one thing. Everybody's Everybody exists with value, but everybody also exists with sin. Yeah. Uh, you must die spiritually and be reborn, just like you were just now mentioning. Uh, you must have that spiritual death. Um, and honestly, we're born already into a spiritual death because what? whenever God had told Adam, on that day you should surely die, you will mm-hmm. die, die, is you will be separated from me. Yeah. You no longer have uh, communion with me. You no longer have fellowship with me. You are you are casted out. Yeah. And the the the, the physical re- representation of that was him being kicked out of the garden. Yeah. Uh, and so we're born into that. We don't have a relationship with God right off mm-hmm. the bat like Adam did. That's our spiritual death. So we die to that and we're resurrected to new life spiritually speaking. But then we're also gonna die physically yeah but we are resurrected and yes. only through christ will we be resurrected and transformed into glory into glory yes. the glory that god had intended for us from the very beginning will be able to live uh actively in our glorified and new spiritual bodies one day we can't do it in our flesh yeah. and so if you desire heaven you have to desire getting out of this sick nasty body yes uh putting away the old nature and putting on the the holiness Absolutely. and the likeness of God, Absolutely. at least practicing to do that now mm-hmm. um, so that whenever we are given the uh, capabilities and we're given the, 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 the right tools, the right body for it, we could praise God forever and yeah. evermore. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, I like that you brought that in because that brings me to a good closing point, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, right. If we have been born again, then we are, that intended purpose is restored. Yeah. Right. And so if we want out of this corruption, then we should also be fighting against that corruption in this life, right? You can't go, I can't wait for the day of glory, and in this life, you're never pursuing that glory, right? Uh, And Tim Keller, I was listening to a sermon from him today on on God's holy people. Yeah. Um, And I like what he said, because he was was given this, you know, we are his holy people, and it is God's power. It's the, the power of regeneration, the spirit within us, Christ in us that's bringing that holiness about, right? But it's foolish for us to think that that doesn't take our involvement, our engagement. And and so he gave this analogy, like if you have a weak upper body, like sure, pray that you get stronger. Yeah. But just because going to the gym and and doing bench presses is difficult doesn't mean quit and just keep praying and it's going to happen, right? You pray and you do, and you pray and you do, and you pray and you do, right? Because we are called to work hard to show the results of our salvation. Yeah. And so I think that's like it, man, if you're believing this message, right? Don't, don't be a practical atheist. Don't be somebody that professes. Yeah. I believe God created and then live like he doesn't, Yeah. you know? So if you believe, if we believe God created, and that he created with an intended purpose, yeah. it does add value, but it also does put restraints in a lifestyle call yeah. for every one of us. Yeah. And so Paul says in Philippians 1 that we should live in a manner worthy yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, Man, after hearing this podcast, after the knowledge, I mean, we've we've spit out this knowledge of God. We did it in the throne room episode, sure. oh, right? Man. We did it a lot, yeah. but we did it again right now. And after hearing this, and your life doesn't change, right? Like that says a lot about yeah. you. And, and not to call you, not to say that you're not saved, but you should really question. You yeah. should really consider and thinking about whether or not you are saved, because like. Man, just an ordinary person. If an ordinary person comes up to me, I'm going to treat them normally. Mm -hmm. But if I receive the knowledge that that person is a king somewhere else and that everybody bows down to this person, I'm going to at least have some respect. I'm going to be like, okay, this is not just an ordinary person. But if I treat this guy normally, that just shows a lot about me. Yeah. It shows like, oh, even with the knowledge of who this guy is, it, let's say they're famous. Yeah. Let's say whatever it may be. It shows it says a lot about me that I have no respect or reverence toward anybody in authority. Mm-hmm. It says a lot of that says the same thing says about you. When you know this about God, when you know that he holds the universe in his hand, yeah. when you know how great and how holy and how perfect that he is, and you still live a life that isn't pleasing towards him, that right. isn't in submission to him, like, man, why? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was an example that I gave last Wednesday in our youth ministry was like, man, you guys know that I'm here preaching tonight. And so you come with normal expectation. But if yeah. you knew that 
Kanye was coming to speak yeah. tonight and share his wisdom in life, whatever that is. Yeah. Right? People, first off, we would have had triple the numbers oh, that yeah. Wednesday night. Secondly, no one would have been on their phone other than taking pictures. Yeah. Right? Everyone would have been honed in wanting to hear what Kanye West has to say. Yeah. Because he's a celebrity. Because he's had a, I guess, what you could call a successful life. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, all these various things. It's funny how we'll listen to a celebrity more than we'll listen to God's word. Mm. Right? More yeah. than the reality of God's existence. Yeah. And so... Man, it's a locked bet. He exists and that he created with a purpose. And yeah. you, we we are inside of that purpose. Yes. That adds that adds so much value and meaning to our yes. life. It's not just it's not just fickle and and do whatever you want with. Like it has a legitimate reason to it. And the same value to the greatest person on earth, to the least yes, person on earth. Absolutely. To the oldest person on earth, to the very mm. youngest. Yes. Yes. In the womb even. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all that is stuff that that we'll be tackling as we move forward and go through essentially creation and the purpose behind it. Yeah, we're really excited for what's to come, and I hope you guys are able to enjoy it with us and and see. It's definitely something that needs to be talked about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, man, let's pray out. Let's pray. Father, you've blessed us with such a beautiful opportunity here, um, Lord, and I, I'm I'm praying, Lord, that as you've as you've blessed teachers and preachers of your word all over Lord, that you would continue to bless and that you would continue to increase reverence and increase, uh, how our, our hearts hallow you Lord, that we would glorify you as you've called us to do. And that father, not even, not even just Gama and I, but, but Lord, the, the, the people that you've raised up on this planet, who are, who fear your word, who tremble at it, who seek to bring you glory, who seek to see Christ praised. I pray God that their, their voices would go higher than the heretics, than the false teachers. And I pray father for a a legitimate repentance from these men and women that are twisting your word and abusing it for their own glory, for their own riches, for their own name. Lord, all of us, fall under your purpose and we will have to give account. God it has been a blessing to sit and, and teach your word. But Lord, we're praying because you're worthy of it, that it would take root and take effect in people's hearts and that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, hearts would be renewed and people would seek and strive to live out your intended purpose for your name's sake and your praise. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you all next week. See you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this podcast has served as a blessing to you. If you want to contact us or want more information, visit our website at storehousemedia.org or follow us on all social media platforms at Storehouse Media. Until next time, grace and peace.